we began by looking at paragraph 8 last week on how the Sabbath to be is, how, how it is to be observed. And we spent all of our time, perhaps not on, well, definitely not on the most controversial element of the Sabbath, but on what is nevertheless perhaps one of its most important aspects, which is preparation. We saw that just as with family worship <clears throat> and so many other things in life, um, you get out of it what you put into it. Um, and, and so it is with the Lord's Day. And, and just a little bit of preparation um, can go really far in terms of examining and preparing the heart, preparing the mind um, to come the next day, um, ordering our common affairs to free ourselves up. Just a little bit can actually go a long way. And uh, we considered that last week. I shared the Puritan metaphor of the Lord's Day as the market day of the soul. Market day of the soul. And just as back then on market day, you would probably get up early, you would devote a whole day to getting everything that you would need for that week, so also on the Lord's Day it is to be that, but, but for our souls. Um, and we want to, to not prepare poorly for it. Um, we want to be able to get everything out of it because we've, we're, we're fully ready for it and, and we take full advantage of it, okay? <clears throat> well, today we are finally uh, moving on to maybe a little bit more of the controversial aspects of the Sabbath. Um, even a little bit among Refor Reformed folks today, um, the, the Sabbath, even among the Reformed, has fallen a lot more on hard times um, even amongst those that are Reformed. I read this one article uh, by a brother, and <clears throat> what, what Presbyterians do, I know, I mean, some Baptists do this, but this has been a common Presbyterian practice, is they'll take exception to certain aspects of, of their confession of faith. Um, and so when they're being examined by their presbytery to, to be ordained or whatever, um, they'll often say, I, I take exception to this or that, um, and this gentleman was saying he's, he's seen it become more and more common um, among young men coming into the ministry to say, I take exception to the Westminster Confession of Faith statement on the Sabbath day. Um, and even, not on recreation even, even on work stuff, just more of like a spiritualizing it. Um, and so, as I said, even this is somewhat controversial, though I think amongst ourselves, um, those who tend to be more confessional, the, the controversy might be more about the recreation stuff. That tends to be the more controversial, right? But it, it is a little bit in, in some ways. <clears throat> well, in, in order to get started, if you have your confession of faith, let's read through it uh, one more time. Paragraph 8. Read through it. It says, The Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts, ordering their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe and wholly rest all day from all their works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but are also taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of this worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. Today, we really want to look at that middle section there, which begins with the phrase, do not only, right? This is, it talks about the preparation beforehand, but it says that it is kept holy um, when they do not only, right? And then it goes on to say, uh, observe a holy rest from their works, words, and 
<clears throat> thoughts about their worldly, uh, worldly employments and their recreations. And then it has the second part, um, the second part, uh, which we'll kind of look at more next week and following, um, which is, but are also taken up the whole time in public and private exercises with worship. Um, that's important to know. On the one hand, you have something you're not doing, right? And on the other hand, there is something you are doing. Um, we'll see this particularly today in our sermon. Um, we'll talk about it today. Um, the Sabbath is primarily about doing. It's not primarily about not doing, though we tend to often think of it that way. The, the real controversy is what is, the, what is the thing you're supposed to be doing? That is supposed to take priority, and so you stop doing those other things, whether worldly employments or recreations, because what you're supposed to be doing is worship. And so that's something we always want to keep in mind. Um, that's the more important thing. Um, and really, if we kept that in mind, it would answer so many of our other questions and controversies and kind of make them needless. Um, because the question about what, can't, what you can and cannot do lawfully on the Sabbath, in some ways... Um, is eclipsed by the greater question, what are you supposed to be doing? Um, okay, well, you can and you can't do those things if they hinder and, and keep you or they're a substitute from doing the thing you're supposed to be doing, right? If they don't, it's fine, okay? So we just, we want to see that. <clears throat> well, first, let's consider this, this ceasing, this resting. It says, again, men do not only observe and wholly rest all day from their works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employment and recreations. Recreation, yeah, plural. First, we see one of the ways we are to observe the Sabbath is namely by resting. This is the meaning of the Hebrew word Shabbat. Um, you see it in all kinds of contexts, and it, it's not always talking about Sabbath-keeping. Uh, it might say, and so-and-so ceased chasing so-and-so, and it's the word Shabbat. It just means to stop or to desist, and by implication, when you're ceasing from labor, to rest. <clears throat> Work is a good gift from God. It's one of the gifts from God. What did, what did God basically do in the garden? He gave Adam a wife, and he gave him a job. Those are, those are great gifts, right? Marriage, family and work. Those are good things. They're not products of the fall. Adam, even before he had a wife, was called to tend and keep the garden. So also, however, is rest. Rest is not inherently a product of the fall. I think Adam would have kept, he would have kept the Sabbath even if he hadn't have fallen. Um, just as, you know, Adam, <clears throat> Adam wasn't fallen, the curse wasn't on his body, but his body still needed food. He would have still slept at night. And I think that after six days of laboring in the tasks that God had given him, he would have also taken a rest as well. I think it's, it's something good. It's not inherently part of the fall, though it's made even more needful after the fall because our labor after the fall is, is, is toil, right? So it's particularly needful, but I don't think it's an inherently uh, a part of fall. However, rest is a big part of it. <clears throat> Exodus 23, 12. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, 
and the son of your servant woman, and the alien may be refreshed. Our bodies need that. I like it says that, that your body may be refreshed. You know, part of me, <clears throat> I would say, becoming more of a stickler for keeping, keeping the Sabbath was in many ways just becoming more defensive of my own rest on the Lord's Day. Um, no, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't perhaps, it's partly zealous to worship the Lord, but it's also like, no, I'm not going to work today. I need to rest. It's good to shut off. It's good to unplug. Our bodies need that. Um, and I've just kind of noticed that about myself. We are finite beings. We're not supermen. We're not superwomen. Our bodies need time to rest. Our minds need time to catch their breath. And that is part of the reason for the Sabbath. However, the confession doesn't just call us to observe any sort of rest, but what does it say? A holy rest. A holy rest. We'll see in Leviticus 23, there's a phrase, a solemn rest. Solemn rest. It's not any kind of rest, and it's a very specific Hebrew word that's used. Oftentimes, it's attached with the word a holy rest as well, just like here. That's pretty much where they get this phrase. But what it's getting at is that while this is a rest, it's a true and refreshing rest, nevertheless, rest in itself is not entirely the purpose. That's one of the purposes of the rest, to be refreshed. In another sense, though, we could say that our rest on the Sabbath is a rest from something that we might engage in something else. In fact, one Puritan, I couldn't find him, couldn't find the quote that I had read, um, but he says, on the Sabbath, we ceased, we ceased from our worldly labors that we might pick up and engage in our heavenly labors, right? It is a stopping, but it's a stopping to do something else. Um, another way that you'll find um, Reformed writers talking about this is they'll explain, they're very careful that this rest is not an idleness. It's not a doing nothing. That's not the purpose of it. it you're, it's not just for you. It is partly for you to rest, but that's not just it. It's a solemn rest, as it says. It's a holy rest, okay? It's interesting that it calls it holy because point to anything else that is holy in the Old Testament and it's probably going to be related, it's, it, it always specifically has a certain function, right? It's never holy just in and of itself, it's holy for something. The high priest is holy that he might worship and serve the Lord. The tabernacle is holy because it's a special place where you worship God. So also, this is called a holy rest because it's a special day set apart for what? For worship, not just resting in and of itself. We see this in several other uh, interesting ways um, in Scripture, and this is why I said there's going to be so much overlap between my sermon and my Sunday school. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not sorry. Um, I don't apologize for that, but uh, you will, you'll notice that. And maybe God's just trying to tell you something, all right? Just keep it that way, all right? Maybe he's trying to tell me something. Uh, Leviticus 23, you can, you can turn there real quick. Look in verse 3. 
says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. Now, that's really interesting what it says there. Because a lot of times in Scripture, the emphasis is on the not doing part, right? You shall not work, and if anyone works, they shall be put to death. In this, we get a little bit more of a, uh, an understanding of what is elsewhere, I would say, implied. Um, we see, for example, next to the phrase, a solemn rest, it says, a holy convocation. It's like a holy gathering. Elsewhere, when that phrase occurs throughout this chapter, we'll see it's on the major feast days. And it's referring to that on a national level, okay? This can't be on a national level because it's just about the Sabbaths and it's followed up by the phrases, in all your dwelling places. The implication, I would argue from this, is that even on the average Sabbath day, though they are not gathered in Jerusalem and you can't do, you can't worship in your little village somewhere like you would at the temple. That's forbidden. You can't sacrifice. Nevertheless, I would argue that something like synagogue is being envisioned here. Um, we'll talk about the fact that synagogue is something that most people say didn't really start till after the exile, right? Okay, that's fine. I don't think that means the Bible doesn't anywhere envision something like synagogue in, in the villages. Um, and why would it be before the exile anyway? They were like worshiping idols and stuff. It's kind of like in terms of keeping the law, they get their act together more after the exile, after being disciplined by God. But I think something like that on some level is implied. It's a holy convocation, but it's in all their dwellings. Something on the level of the town, the village, the family, right? That was to happen, not just a ceasing. We see it elsewhere in Scripture, um, in like little just interesting snippets, Psalm 92, a song for the Sabbath, um, which we'll sing today. It goes on to give various um, allusions to worship in the temple. Um, it mentions the instruments that are, pray, uh, that are played by the priests. It talks about the courts, meaning that that was a day to go there to worship. Um, and we see it in other little ways, too. The daily offerings that were to be given in the tabernacle or later the temple um, there's a, a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice every day of the week. It's a burnt offering in the morning and a grain offering and a burnt offering at night and a grain offering. On Sabbath, it's double. It's twice. Why? Because that's the day of worship, all right? Now, there are other places we could look at to see that the Jews, later the church, spent their solemn rest worshiping. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but all this to say it is a resting, but it's not idleness. Um, it's a resting from work so that you are freed up to worship, okay? Well, the confession continues that Christians are to rest and cease, quote, from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employment. Now, that's fairly straightforward, but there is something of an, an interesting progression you can see in all those words they kind of go more from the outer to the inner, right? It starts with works. Um, there are several terms, different terms that are used to describe work or labor on the Sabbath. Um, sometimes you'll see it in Leviticus 23 today. It'll say, you shall do no ordinary work. 
Um, at other times, some translators may say, you shall do no uh, like hard work, basically. Um, I think, though, all work in general is being envisioned because there's a lot of different terms that are used that just mean work. Um, and they're used interchangeably. So one might have more of a specific meaning. Um, in fact, one of the terms is often, malacha, is often used to put it crassly, like for your job. So it can often speak of like maybe a service you render, um, something that you do that, that is like what we would call today a job. That's the word malacha. But then in the same sentence, it'll just say uh, the, from the word avad, which is means to work or do something. So I think it, it, it's just forbidding all kinds of work, though some of the words have a more specific meaning. Um, and we, we see this, for example, <clears throat> in Numbers 15, a man is put to death for doing what? For gathering firewood, right? So it's not just his job. I don't think that's, it might have been his job, the firewood gatherer guy. But the implication is he's just doing that to make a fire in his home which was forbidden on the Sabbath. Um, so in this, I would say, not, not only our jobs, but other normal things we might even call chores, um, your to-do list in some ways, um, that's, that's also falling under work. And I would say, especially for you ladies, I tease my wife all the time, and I go, um, who has a job in this house? And she's like, Brr. and I go, oh, you have a job? You pay taxes, right? And she's like, Brr, right? And I just try to rub it in. Um, but she doesn't have a formal job, but she works a lot. She works really hard. For you ladies, that may be for you to take a look and say, well, what are some things that are my normal work that I ought to cease from today? Um, there's, there's a lot of ways you can do that with Annika. We kind of have the rule. We may do some straightening up um, just so that we're not, like, losing our minds. Uh, I'm fine to live in chaos. Some people, like, need a little bit more order or else they just can't think. I'm like, I don't even notice the disorder. Um, we may do a little bit of straightening up, right? But typically, we don't do any cleaning. We don't do any laundry, other things like that, because for her, that's like her job. So it's not fair for me to, like, take it off after Sunday, but for her to keep working. Um, and so we, we really try not try not to do too much stuff. Um, I would say also, you know, maybe ladies keep this in mind, husbands too, especially with house stuff, a lot of that can be taken care of with some good preparation the day beforehand. Um, just thinking about what's, what the day is going to look like. Man, if you have like a dish full or a, a, a sink full of dishes and it's the Lord's day the next day, that's a way to prepare so that you can just chill the next day. Because the next day, there will be even more dishes, and then it's just going to be crazy, and then you might have to do something. So that's a way, ladies and even husbands too, you can try to clean up the house the following day. Um, really, whatever is your normal work, you are to cease from. And this goes to kids as well, okay? Remember, the Sabbath is enjoined not just to husband and wives, but to kids, to servants, even to animals, okay? So you want to take a look at everything. Kids, what is your normal work? Probably school, right? That's like your job. Maybe your parents say that. You don't have a job. Your job is just to go to school, right? That's how they sound, okay? That's your job. 
I would encourage you to not do any work on the Lord's Day. I remember in, in seminary, I was still doing homework. And I'm like, well, I'm in seminary. I'm going to be a pastor, and this is spiritual, so I guess I could do it on the Lord's Day, right? And then, doctor, not that that's what you kids sound like, but um, you weren't going to seminary. Anyway, uh, I remember Dr. Renahan saying, man, I would encourage you to not do homework on the Lord's Day. And he said this. He said, I've never rested on the Lord's Day and regretted it, but I have worked on the Lord's Day and regretted it. And, and that was something that I really started there. And I would encourage you two kids to start um, to not do that. And I would say this also goes to preparation. If you have, if you have something due on Monday, man, the Lord's Day is the day to rest. Get it done on Saturday night. Get it done Friday. Maybe don't let like wait to tell your parents like the night before a project is due, right? Have a little forethought. Prepare your common affairs aforehand, right? We see, though, that parents um, are given, I would say, an obligation to make sure their kids are, are resting on the Lord's Day. Think of how the fourth commandment is given. It's really given to the heads of households. But on the seventh, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock. The Westminster Larger Catechism actually has um, a question devoted to this, and it says, "Why is the the fourth commandment directed to heads of households?" It's like, well, because they're supposed to make sure that people in their houses are ceasing, right? No, let's let's not work. I know. I know you're really stressed out about that project, or I know you really want to do this thing, but that's not what the Lord's Day is is about, and so you're you're doing that as well. Furthermore, um, I would say, wait, hold on, okay, and maybe this is getting a little bit more controversial, but I, I would argue that because of this same reason, the same principle, we should therefore avoid using the employments of others if they are not necessary. Um, This is why, unless there's some other reason of necessity, you're traveling, you forgot to to go shopping or something, I would avoid restaurants if you can. I would avoid going to the store because someone else is working and you're using their labors, right? I would say that's implied in the fact that elsewhere, if you're like a head of household, it's not okay that you rest, but others in your household don't. Now, you could say, okay, well, the waitress is not in my household. Yeah, I get it, right? But it's a similar principle. Someone is working for you while you are resting. That's to be avoided, I would say. There is a story um, <clears throat> uh, from Joseph Piper, his, his book, On the Lord's Day. Um, and he, he, he brings out the point that whoever you are going you know, and using their services for, if it's not necessary that that is a person who should likewise be resting and worshiping on the Lord's day. I think it's him. He tells a story um, about a pastor who would go out to a, a restaurant, he and the congregation after church, and they would you know, talk to this waitress, and they said, oh, you should come to church with us sometime. And she said, well, if I did, who would be here to serve you guys on Sunday afterwards? And he was kind of like convicted by that. Um, but I think there's, there's truth to that. That person should also be ceasing even though they may not be a believer, they, show, they still should be coming to church. Um, and, and you don't want to just kind of, in some sense, be partaking of their Sabbath breaking, though you are resting, again, unless it is a necessity, okay? 
All right. Notice, though, how the confession moves on, um, and there is kind of this progression to, to greater levels of ceasing, I would say. It says, from our works, our words, and our thoughts. Our works, our words, and our thoughts. Um, someone might say, well, I'm not doing any physical labor, right? I'm, I'm not doing anything like that. I'm just making phone calls. I'm sending emails. Uh, I'm putting together my to-do list for the next day. I'm writing what I'm going to, I'm planning out what I'm going to do this next week. I'm not doing it though, right? It's like, well, that's kind of the same principle. It goes even more than that. Stop thinking about it. <laughs> this is the hard part, Right? This is the part you have to really battle with every single Lord's Day. Like, no, I'm, I'm going to put that out of my mind. It's like constantly taking it to the Lord. Um, but what it's getting at, really, is the heart. And remember, the heart of the Sabbath is worship. You will not be able to worship from the heart if you're doing physical labor, but also if your mind and your words is talking about it. But even if your heart is, your, your mind is thinking about it, you're still missing the point, right? Because ultimately, worship takes all of us, and especially the heart, and without the heart, you're still missing that point, okay? Um, you know, I've said this before, and I would really encourage you and, and challenge you guys on this, that keeping the Sabbath does really stretch your faith. Um, on the one hand, it makes you put off your worries. Worries are like an itch, it feels like you're, you're feeling better by scratching it, but all you're doing is making it worse and making it raw. And on the Lord's Day, and just put that out. Just, just put that out, trust in the Lord. There will, be, there will be plenty of time in the week if we work diligently to accomplish all we need to do. We have six days given for it. We have one to rest, right? As Christ says, sufficient for the day is its own trouble I would also argue that if you have a lot to do the next week, I would say probably crucial to that is not thinking about work in any way until the next day because a good rest will really make you productive during the week. Um, there's an, it's an anecdote, but it's a true story, that during World War II, the Brits um, were really in need of like pushing pushing their, their manufacturing capacity in terms of war materiel. Um, and they tried to, to increase production um, by having longer shifts, I think, or like fewer breaks or something like that. And they saw it did a little bit at first, and then production dipped. Production dipped because people were tired and exhausted. So they actually went back to their previous schedule, and production went back up again. Because if you have proper rest, you can work hard. If you're, not, if you're not shutting your mind off, unplugging, abiding in the Lord, you're not going to be prepared for that next week, right? So just some practical wisdom there. Um, it, it'll, it'll worry about itself on Monday. Um, now, there are some, some exceptions to this rule of ceasing from our worldly employments. Um, they are mentioned at the end of the paragraph. Namely, it says, the duties of necessity and mercy, the duties of necessity of mercy. These are times when it is okay to do something that otherwise it might not be lawful to do on the Lord's day, though on any other day it might be lawful to do, okay? Um, as far as works of necessity, 
they are just that. They are things that are necessary. Um, what constitutes necessary is if something's truly necessary. Um, it's something, typically, you might, you might think of like something that comes out of the blue in your life, right? If you're going to go to work and your tire, or you're going to go to church and your tire pops, well, that's a necessary work. You're going to have to change your tire if you're going to get to church. Um, though normally, Sunday is not the day for automotive repair, right? Um, if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, uh, if you're a police officer, um, if you do something with the military, you probably are going to have to be working occasionally. It's good that we have people who work on those days and don't take rest. Their labors are necessary, right? Um, yeah. We see this principle in Luke chapter 6. Turn with me there real quick. Luke 6, verses 1 through 4. It says, On a Sabbath, while Christ was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Just note that the disciples, are along, uh, along with Christ, are basically itinerant ministers, right? They don't normally, they're not all living in one village on a commune where they normally harvest grain throughout the week. That's not something that they do. They normally travel, and they travel light. And so what they're doing falls under the category of necessity. It's not something they normally do, but they do need to eat, um, we see this in, in Nehemiah, when Nehemiah, Nehemiah has a lot to say about the Sabbath. Um, in fact, it says he saw some people <laughs> uh, breaking the Sabbath, and he grabbed them and pulled their hair out, and you're like, all right, just, you're lucky, all right? I could be Nehemiah on you guys, what am I going to do? Um, but, but he does say in keeping it, make whatever food you need, that's fine, and he says, and give it to those who don't have. With food, yeah, food's great to have on the Lord's Day. And he says, celebrate, don't, don't despair. Celebrate on the Lord's day. Um, and so food, that's a necessity to have. It's not like they're like harvesting their grain normally. They're just eating what they need. They're plucking it with their fingers. And so this, this definitely falls under the category of necessity. It continues in verse 3. And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. Now, in the example given by Christ, the context does not have to do with a Sabbath per se, but it still has to do uh, with something that is normally forbidden, eating something that is forbidden according to the law, right? This time it's forbidden because it's only for the priest. In Christ's context, they're saying it's forbidden um, because it's on the Sabbath, right? They're, that's kind of the context of what he does. He points to when David eats the showbread, which was not lawful for him to normally do. 
Yet in the context, it's clearly an act of necessity. It's not a normal day for David. In fact, he's on the run for his life. In addition to food, the other, things, the other thing he gets that day is what? A sword. He's on the run for his life. He needs, some, he needs food and a sword, right? He, he is running from Saul. Perhaps there were no other places he could go that he might be, he might be recognized. They would tell Saul And so, although that bread is normally off-limits for him, right, yet this is is a a time of necessity, and it is lawful, um, because otherwise David would die. He might faint. His enemies might catch him, okay? And Christ, by extension, is saying, well, they're not doing something under any other circumstance. This is an act of necessity. These men are traveling with me, and so that is lawful to do on the Sabbath, That is a duty of necessity, okay? Now, since we live in a society which largely does not keep the Sabbath, except for some remnants, right? You still don't get mail on Sunday, some little things like that, but pretty much, um, although people don't work, but they don't don't keep the Sabbath. Um, I would argue that in many ways, many Christians today have to work and perform many things which are not, strictly speaking, acts of necessity, and yet because they are not otherwise, if they are not otherwise done, that Christian will lose their job, and then by, ex- by extension, they won't be able to pay their bills. And so in that sense, it's an act of necessity um, because you have to have money to live, right? I would say in that case, it's lawful for that Christian to work. Um, though perhaps the, the particular job they're perform, performing is not normally like a necessary act, yet because society doesn't largely keep that, it ends up kind of becoming one. Um, now, Christians should make all necessary uh, attempts to not work if possible. They should explain to their bosses their convictions. Um, you might be surprised what your, how, how your boss might say that. Maybe they can schedule something different. If there's an opportunity where you don't have to work on the Lord's Day, you should avail yourself of that. Um, If you are all of a sudden able to request your days off, take advantage of that. If another job presents itself where you can rest on the Sabbath, do that, right? But if in the meantime, if you find yourself without a job, or I'm sorry, if you don't and you will find yourself without a job, I would say that falls under the category of, of a necessary duty, and I think it's lawful in that case, though you should avail yourself of any opportunities otherwise. I would also say, um, you know, remember, early Christians, most of them were slaves. They weren't given all of Saturday, or yeah, Sunday, to not work. Um, A lot of times, they would have to keep the Lord's Day by waking up before the dawn, going and worshiping, and then coming back and doing their labors, and if they didn't, they would be beaten or killed or sold or something, right? So that was a necessary act for them, and I think that's, that's legitimate. Next, we read about acts or duties of mercy, duties of necessity and duties of mercy. Now, when you're kind of thinking through this, okay, like what's the difference between a, a duty of necessity and a duty of mercy? They're very much related, um, like, oftentimes, the reason why you do something necessary at times is because you're showing mercy. Um, for example, in one of the most famous Puritan books about the Lord's Day by Nicholas Bound, 
It's titled The True Doctrine of the Sabbath. He says, works of necessity upon the Lord's day must not be done for gain, but of mercy and pity, right? So for him, it's like, well, what's an act of necessity if it's an act of mercy, all right? I guess. Um, I do think there is, however, a distinction that could be made um, where with the acts of mercy, you're perhaps not saving someone's life. Perhaps it's not always a necessity in the sense that we might think of other necessities. Let me give you an example. If you're a cop, it's a necessity that we have police out there working, right? Like we don't want to not have cops. If you're a doctor or in the medical field, it's a necessity that you're working. Um, If you might get fired otherwise, okay, it's a necessity then that you're working. There may be something, though, that is not strictly a necessity that no negative consequence will happen immediately if you don't act um, on that day. I would say, though, still, it could be an act of mercy because you're blessing someone, you're serving someone, and though you might be able to push it off normally to another day, yet on the Lord's day, that is the day for those things, okay? Um, We see this also in Luke 6. Continues on, verses 6 through 10. Verses 6 through 10. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to, to destroy it? And after looking around at them, he, uh, at them all, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. Now here, I guess we could say it, this wasn't like totally an act of necessity in the sense that Christ had to heal this man that day. Um, I guess you could say, and I think this is what the Pharisees are thinking, Jesus, there's six days on which to do your labors, and you're a guy who heals and preaches, so wait wait till Sunday, which for them is, you know, um, not the Sabbath anymore. Jesus says, no, this is a lawful thing to do. Sure, it might be pushed off. Um, I could do this tomorrow, and this guy's hand has been withered for a long time. It's not a necessity in that I have to act now could act tomorrow, but it is an act of mercy, and that is lawful on the Sabbath to do. Um, There might be, you know, someone who's poor, there might be uh, the proverbial little old lady across the street who you know needs help with something, and maybe, um, maybe she's not in any dire need. It could be pushed off until another day of the week, and I guess you could do it on that week. It's not necessarily sinful, Um, But I would say if you're helping someone and you're doing an act of mercy and loving someone, it's an act of mercy and pity, that's lawful to do on the Sabbath. That's a necessary thing, or it it kind of falls under what is lawful. Though it could be pushed off, if it's an act of mercy, um, then I would say it's definitely lawful. Now, one last aspect that we'll see here today, um, which is kind of implied in all this, but we would also say we are to keep the Sabbath the whole day. It is a whole day of rest. 
Um, you see this, turn with me to Leviticus 23. I think it's in verse 32. Yeah, verse 32. Now, this is talking about the Day of Atonement in particular, but it applies by extension to other Sabbaths. It says, It shall be uh, to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict yourselves on the ninth day of the month, beginning at evening. From evening to evening you shall keep your Sabbath. That's kind of obvious, but I would say, and I, I would say, really try to put your stuff off until Monday morning. Um, have a full rest go to bed, it'll be there for you. For me, I started doing this more because, okay, after church, I immediately start thinking, oh, I, oh that week was brutal because I, I had a hard time coming up with a sermon, and the next week, I don't even know what I'm going to preach on. Let me read the chapter now, and also, let me like get my, my calendar. Let me see what I have to do this week, and it's like, no, 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 no. Yes, you've done worship. Maybe you've done family worship. It's almost time for bed. No, it's from evening to evening. Put it off. It'll be there tomorrow. Don't worry. You'll, you'll have time for it in the morning. And as I said, I think Dr. Renahan is correct. Um, I, I've never put off something and regretted it. What I have regretted is what I did not put off. Um, rest and worship God. That, that is the better thing, okay? Um, that's it for now. We'll, I do want us to look more. We'll talk more about recreations next week. And we do want to look at what positively it should look like to worship. What does it mean that the whole day is taken up in the exercises of uh, private and public worship, okay? Um, But before we move on, are there any questions? Any comments? All right. Well, you guys are going to have a full-on, full Sabbath day. We're singing Psalm 92, which is a song for the Sabbath. Yeah, the sermon's about the Sabbath. It's just, you better, you know, hey, God, I think, is trying to tell us something. So, all right. All right. All right. You guys are just.